Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cam. Uh, Michigan State escapes this one 81 to 68 against High Point, uh, Rod. And they really didn't decide to start playing this one until about seven minutes to go in the game. Um, up until that point, High Point was right there, even taking the lead uh, at times into the second half. Um, of course, they did have... Uh, Marcus Bingham out, uh, Max Christie out, Pierre Brooks, uh, Stephen Izzo. Um, so that did have some some ramifications. But what were your thoughts uh, on this one? Uh, but for Joey Hauser perhaps um, being able to gain some confidence after a very good game, um, I would have rather they canceled it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It just, yeah, that's probably the only get, good thing you can take out of this one. Really. They didn't get anything. I mean, it, look, some guys played played well, and offensively, it was actually a pretty well played game by Michigan State. You look at the way they shot the ball; um, they were okay on the offensive boards, and only eight turnovers. So, not a lot to complain about offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but defensively, it was a train wreck. It was awful. Yeah. Worst, worst defensive game they played all year by miles, by miles. And I think what it, what it tells you is a, a couple of things. One, it tells you how important it is that Michigan State have Marcus Bingham in particular, because I think that's where a lot of the problems were. The, the majority of them, yeah. in my view, were the way that the fives didn't defend at all were terrible both of them um and and then you know secondly what a difference having all the pieces makes because look michigan state could easily have looked incoherent even if they'd had everybody it wouldn't be the first time it happened with a team uh playing after a long layoff yeah you know that's part of it but i i think when you see guys out of their people don't fans don't have enough of an appreciation, particularly with a team like Michigan State that plays a lot of people, but has to really spend time in the non-conference getting its rotation right and getting guys comfortable and acclimated to roles that they're playing. It matters, and when you're pulling out, you know maybe if you pull out a piece. Mm-hmm. You say, all right, you can adjust around that at least for a while, depending upon which piece it is. But when you're pulling out two starters and arguably your two best defensive players, I Bainham for sure, which we've talked about all year, you could make an argument. Max Christie, I think Tyson Walker, it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely two of your best three. It, it has an impact, and you saw that today. 
that's not an excuse. That's just a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they got very much out of it other than Joey, which is not nothing. And it, it might be um, something that we look back at as important because he played very, very well. And um, he was the only guy to play well, but he was the most important guy, I think, in terms of what it might mean for Michigan State going forward. But um, other than that, hey, file the tape, move on to Northwestern <laughs> on Sunday. And you hope, as Izzo said uh, yesterday, I believe, that uh, they're anticipating at this point having Bainham and Christie and Brooks back for Sunday, which oh. would be a big deal. I mean, this early season, you know, these first couple weeks of Big Ten play are going to be interesting as a word for it. I'm not sure that it fully encompasses the the true meaning uh, of what's going on, but it is going to be an absolute crapshoot from day to day as to where teams are. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I actually, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really do believe this. I hope that the conference is willing to postpone games rather than play them when a team is seriously shorthanded. And I'm saying that across the board, not just for Michigan State. Michigan State's actually arguably now in better shape than a lot of teams at the conference because you're talking about two starters who have now had it and presumably are going to be fine the rest of the way. Yeah. So they've already got that out of the way, right? It's a lot of teams at the conference that haven't been hit yet. And if you're paying attention to how things are playing out, it seems very likely that if you're testing asymptomatic people, meaning you're testing everybody regardless of whether they have symptoms or not, you're going to catch positives. You just are. Mm. And that's going to have an impact, (laughs) perhaps a severe one. Um, So I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, the conference has already, along with every other conference in the country, have shifted away from this original plan they had in the beginning of the season, which was if you have to cancel a game because of COVID positives, you forfeit. Mm. That, I, I think it's arguable. It didn't even make sense then, but I understand the intent. The intent was to make it, uh, to put the, the emphasis on getting your team vaccinated and on following proper protocol. And I think the thinking was, hey, if you can't get your team vaccinated and you can't have people behaving, quote unquote, responsibly, whatever that's supposed to mean when we're in an environment of a highly contagious virus, but whatever, I could go on for days about injecting morality into this stuff Uh. seems insane to me. But anyway, that was the idea was, hey, you better take it seriously, because if you don't, and you get dinged, and we have to cancel a game, you're going to forfeit. You're going to lose. Well, we're in an environment now where that's an impossibility because you can be doing everything, quote-unquote, the right way and still get dinged. Michigan State, Mm -hmm. to my understanding, 100% vaccinated. I don't know about 100% boosted, but 100% vaccinated. Um, And yet it, it happened, and that's gone on all around the country. You know, you've had... You've had differences between a team like Duke um, where there was a 100% vaccination rate and they got dinged 
and a team like Memphis, where apparently they had several guys who were unvaccinated. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter at this stage with the way Omicron works. So consequently, conferences have over the last few days, and the Big Ten is no exception, have moved away from this idea of an automatic forfeit. They are supposedly going to evaluate the circumstances and then make a decision. I would favor Christ. If if you got a length in the season by a couple weeks, reschedule stuff. I know it's not a world anybody wants to live in, but I would much rather have that than have games going on where one team is down three starters, but they're yeah. playing anyway. It just it cheapens the whole deal. And I think there's a reasonably good argument at this point that given the way this is playing out, if you get to, say, the middle of January, a lot of this is going to have come through. Mm-hmm. With the speed that this is happening, I think there's a reasonable, especially in places like college campuses, um, I think there's a reasonable chance that you ride this out for another three weeks, let's say, and I think the problem of of these asymptomatic positives is going to be um, – in in large part in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. that would that would be my guess at this point so i hope i hope that the big 10 is is willing to do that i mean that's what i'm saying i i that's why i'm saying i almost would have rather they canceled this because there really wasn't a lot of upside yeah. when you don't have your full team and and i understand Izzo doesn't want to do that he's tubby smith's a good friend it matters for his team they're coming in. It's a buy game. They need the they, their program presumably needs the money from that. You know, there are reasons to do it. Michigan State hadn't played in a while. I would also say there's a decent argument to saying you don't want your first game back after, you know, whatever it would have been at that point, two weeks off to be a conference game on the road. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But, man, this was just painful to watch. And, <laughs> and it's funny saying that because it wasn't a game, as I said, where the offense was bad. Not at all. They were making yeah, they shots. Shot well. It's just, it's 47% just and, and from the floor, 50% from three. Weren't kicking the ball around. You know, they didn't do any of the things that make a game hard to watch in terms of offensive execution, but the defense was so bad. And and then look, let's also be honest. High point had one of those games that mid-major schools will pull a horseshoe out of their ass you know, on on rare occasions, they had one of those. Mm-hmm. This is not a great shooting team that shot the hell out of it today. Yeah, Michigan State helped them, and that's sometimes that's what you can do when you play poor defense. You can allow a team to develop a rhythm and get confidence, and then they start hitting shots they shouldn't hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's and that's a large part of what we saw today. But um, regardless, they won. They won by double digits. You take it and and run, and we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking ahead to Northwestern, anything that kind of scares you about that? Northwestern's looked pretty good, um, at least. They're, yeah, I, I think they're a better compared team. to expectations. Uh, yeah, well, I, I expected them to be improved. They, there's nothing they've done that surprises me. Uh, um, I you know. I think that uh, I think it's going to be a challenging game because it's on the road. Um, you know, b- between now and Sunday is an eternity mm-hmm. for Michigan State and for them. 
So you don't know yet who's going to play. And, you know, we'll assume everybody's going to play. We don't know that on either side. And and that's going to be the trick. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a challenging game, but it's one that if, if you are a team that, as I think many of us have come around to believing is capable of challenging at the very least for a, a top four finish in the big 10, if not, you know, challenging for the title. Um, that's a game you got to win. Yeah. You know, there are road games. You know, it's tough to get anywhere. Michigan state's already got one against Minnesota. You want to get as many as you can, obviously, because that's usually what's going to shake out the contenders from the pretenders mm-hmm. is how many road wins you can get. So, you know, you look at a game at Northwestern versus, you know, a game in Champaign-Urbana or a game in, um, I don't know, uh, Columbus, you yeah. know, or Bloomington. This is one you want to get. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, any final thoughts on this one? Well, I think we should keys? go through the game. Yeah. Let, let's go through. Let's go through the game anyway. I didn't <laughs> okay. mean to suggest I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, look, Hauser's the one that really sticks out production-wise. Seventeen points, eleven rebounds, three assists. Um, just a solid game all the way through from him. Yeah, and I, and I thought he was okay defensively too, and and he was also okay defensively against Oakland. Honestly, um, and they they did play this way during some of the second half. Uh, given the options available to them, the best approach was Joey at the five. Yeah, because he was better defensively than either of the other two guys. So um, yeah, really good game for him to see some shots go down. He played confidently, I thought, mm-hmm. um, rebounded well, which they needed. Um, yeah, really, really good game. His best game of the year, statistically, certainly. And I think I think the one that he seemed the most confident and comfortable in, you know, now that's he's got to build on that. It's not enough to just say, well, you played well against High Point. We all know that. Mm. But um, but that's the biggest positive to come out of this thing is if it can be one that he uses as a building block as opposed to just, well, he happened to have a good day. Yeah. They need him. Michigan State, you know, for, for as improved as Malik Hall is and all the other things that have happened with Michigan State, I still believe for this team to be the best that it can be, it needs an effective Joey Hauser. And today was an effective Joey Hauser. He doesn't have to go for 17-11 every time out, but they need him shooting the ball. They need him rebounding, especially defensively, and they need him comfortable and confident enough to play freely without making mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. He never looked rattled in this game. He never looked rushed or out of sorts the way he has a lot of this season. So really good, really good from him. Uh, And then Gabe Brown, 24 points, seven rebounds and assist. Um, Four for four from the line, two steals. Uh, really sort of just put the hammer down in the second half on him. Yeah, his shooting his shooting kind of ended it. Um, career high for Gabe, by the way, today. Uh, yeah, um, I was those wondering that. Points. Yeah. Um, you know, it. <laughs> I've said this a few times this year. 
that the difference to me with Gabe Brown this season versus seasons past is when you look up and you say, oh, well, he was okay today. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, didn't do a lot. The difference between this year and previous years, in previous years when he said that, he would have put up a donut. This year, it's like he's still getting you 10 and 5. Mm-hmm. You know, today, I didn't feel he was great. But he did shoot the three great for that stretch in the second half. And so consequently, you get the numbers that he that he put uh, that he put up. I think he's played better basketball than he did today. But the shooting obviously was a big part. And, and Michigan State continues to shoot the ball from three extremely well. He was a, a huge part of it. Fifty percent today on decent volume. What were they? Twelve for twenty four. Yeah as a team yeah. and Gabe was, was Gabe six, six for 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, you can't argue with that. It was funny because he came out of the, out of the locker room and was awful shooting the ball. I mean, I believe he missed his first three and they yeah. were, they all looked bad. bad. Yep. And, and it looked like, again, it looked like a team and a guy that hadn't played a game in a while. Uh, but fortunately, he played enough that he was able to shoot himself out of that and ends up having a really good day in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting the basketball, you know, you take away those first three, and they all count, obviously, but other than that, he was six for ten after the first few minutes. So um, definitely uh, definitely a great day shooting the ball. As I say, I think he's at better days in other areas of the game, although seven rebounds is, is helpful, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the other marble started, he had 10 points, five rebounds, five for eight, uh, a block, a turnover, but got burned on defense a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the, the points fine, but uh, very, 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 very disappointing from him. Um, you know, he's, he's halfway through his junior year now. And at a certain point, I think you just have to start assuming when a problem is chronic like this, if you're not getting it by now, is there a reasonable chance you're ever going to get it? Maybe not. Um, I just, he's had, certainly he's had better moments than this day defensively, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, you know, sometimes you get into these situations where a weakness isn't as apparent if you're limiting the opportunities. So Julius Marble playing 10 minutes, it doesn't show up maybe the way it does when he plays 20 some minutes, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, I mean, it's more opportunities, but I think the more opportunities an opponent has to realize that weakness and go at it and exploit it, the worse it gets. And he was just terrible, just absolutely terrible in, in pick and roll defense, just, just could not figure it out. And that's a problem. Mm. It's a problem for him. I'm, I'm less concerned about this year. Look, if, if Marcus Bainham for some reason got hurt, Michigan state's in big trouble anyway, because they don't have another Marcus Bainham. Yeah. on the roster and he's so critical to what they do at both ends but especially defensively so i'm not really talking about this year i'm for the moment at least i'm projecting forward to next season and if you assume that marcus bingham isn't going to be around which isn't a done done deal yet but mm-hmm. 
you know, at this point, you you have to assume that. And if you get pleasantly surprised, great. You know, to me, right now, with the way the roster looks, they're going to have three options. They're going to have Marble, they're going to have Sissoko, and they're going to have an incoming freshman, Jackson Kohler. Jackson Kohler would be better right now offensively than anybody they've got on the roster today. He's that good offensively. What I don't know is how long it's going to take him to figure it out on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And we all know that's a big, big part of what earns you minutes at Michigan State. So I can't assume how big a role Jackson Kohler is going gonna, is gonna to play immediately. Um, even though I know he's as gifted an offensive big man as they brought into the program, maybe ever, under Izzo. He's that good. Uh, but defense is a concern. You'd feel better if you had veterans where you say, well, at least I know these guys can check. Michigan State right now does not have that. Mm-hmm. Julius Marble has had two and a half years, and it is no closer to being solved than it was the first day he showed up on campus, in my opinion. Um, so that is a big concern. Again, I'm not worried about it this year. They can get by with him playing a backup role on this team. It's fine, especially if if Marcus is able to continue to play like 25 minutes as opposed to 20. Uh-huh. They're fine. Julius Marble, 10 minutes a game, you can get by with it. And he'll do some things to help you. He'll get a bucket or two here and there. It's fine. But next year... I don't know how that sorts out Mm. and, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch because today was an opportunity for those two big men to show, Hey, you can count on us if the chips are down and huge failure. Yeah. Where it matters. So the one thing I'll say about Sissoko is body Sissoko at least has the physical tools and plays with the energy and the want to, to at least occasionally be able to make up for a mistake, mm-hmm. that's the advantage he has. You know, Julius Marble can't do that. If Julius Marble makes a mistake, he's done. Sissoko kind of has that, not that he's anywhere near the same level, but he's got that Jaron Jackson or earlier Marcus Bainham capacity for occasionally being able to erase his own mistake just because he's got a seven foot four wingspan. Mm-hmm. And can can close on a on an offensive player who's actually beaten him and still make a play, you know. Um, but but Madi's got a long way to go too. Let's you know if if he makes progress and is reliable defensively next year, well that that could address that problem. But you can't count on that right now because he has not shown. You know, Izzo talked about how he felt he had had a great couple weeks of practice here over this holiday period. It did not show up today. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen, and it doesn't mean that it won't show up going forward. But for today, we didn't see any of it. Mm-hmm. You know, bad day for both of them. Uh, and, and you see what an impact, too, just to finish the thought. You uh, see what an impact it has on defense as a whole. When you can't have reliable defensive play at the five in the modern game of basketball, it impacts everything. It's not the way it used to be where it's like, okay, you got a problem down low, but that doesn't have a domino effect necessarily on what you do everywhere else with, with the way that teams force fives out on the floor to defend against pick and rolls. It has a domino effect on everything Mm -hmm. when your five man can't handle it. 
And and you saw that today. It was a huge. I'm not letting anybody else off the hook. Other guys, Tyson Walker had by a long shot his worst defensive game of the year. He was terrible for most of that game defensively. Um, but it it had the biggest thing was the play of the fives by far. Mm. Uh, AJ Elgard, um, 25 minutes, 10 points, four rebounds, eight assists, uh, to one turnover, a block and a steal. I I thought he was really good. I mean, he was for, for today, at least he was easily the superior player. Tyson just really struggled Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure why it's disappointing because he'd been playing very, very well. Um, I'm glad he hit that three late. So at least he had something to build on, but um, for today, Hogard was the guy. You know, it seemed like when they needed a play made, whether it was AJ making a play himself at the rim or finding someone else, he made a lot of good, um, intelligent decisions with the basketball today. I thought he was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so positive step for him, for sure. Uh, and then Malik Hall, 13 points, three rebounds, five assists, uh, two for two from the line, only a, one turnover. Hit a three. Yeah, you know, kind of a weird game for him because I didn't feel like he was massively impacting things. And then you look up and the numbers are pretty good. I mean, he he did some nice things. The thing I'll, I'll really give him where he's he's really improved, in my opinion, is in traffic or in, in situations where he's coming downhill. It could either be transition or just where he happens to be heading to the rim, even out of the half court, mm-hmm. he stays very, very calm and controlled. And it's enabling him to finish at a really good rate in those in those contested plays. Um, but, yeah, kind of a weird one because I didn't feel like he was that active, and yet he did a lot of good things. So pretty good game, again, offensively. Pretty good game from him. Uh-huh. Uh, Jaden Akins winds up starting, getting 21 minutes in this one. Um, only three points, but he did get three rebounds, uh, two steals, and a turnover. Yeah, um, you know, I, I mentioned at the outset that part of the deal with this Michigan State team, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this. People have said, well, can you win big if you don't have an alpha? And, you know, Michigan State doesn't seem to have that guy. They don't have that Cassius Winston. They don't have that Denzel Valentine, Draymond Green, whatever, mm-hmm. Adrian Payne, the kind of guys we've seen with Travis Trice, the kind of guys we've seen emerge to be a clear focal point, right? They don't, Gabe's a close thing. I don't think anybody feels Gabe is really the alpha, Yeah, you know? Um, but part of what goes along with that is I think this Michigan State team like most of Tom Izzo's teams, really needs their full rotation um, engaged. And it's not just, oh, we need the contributions of every guy, but it's also, I mentioned this at the outset, it's also that guys are in a consistent role, night in, night out. They know what's expected of them, and they can play to that. I think Jade Nakins was out of sorts, in part because he wasn't in that role. Yeah. He wasn't in the same role he's been in all year. You start him, and they had to. There was no – it's nobody's fault. They had to. But he just wasn't very good today. And and I think that's largely down to he wasn't in the same role. He's used to being able 
to kind of see and feel the game from the bench, then come in, be kind of an energy guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a chance to, to kind of settle in before he actually hits the court. And I think that's helped him as a freshman. And today it's a different role. You'll notice they didn't start him in the second half. They started Malik Call on the wing uh-huh. instead of him. And I think that was part of it. I, re- I If I had to guess, I would assume that was the staff recognizing, hey, Jaden's not, not really with it in that role. We need to get him back in the second half at least. And I thought he was a little better in the second half. Obviously, he hit the one shot. But I thought even defensively in the other areas of the game, he was better in the second half. But um, no big deal. I mean, he's still – a key to this team, like a lot of guys are. Uh, but I think this was illustrative of the fact that they need him in the role that he's become accustomed to and has excelled in, mm-hmm. which is not being a starter. Uh, and that's, that's about it. Um, you know, well, let's talk about Tyson Walker. Oh yeah. Four points, two rebounds, three assists. He had the, it looked like he turned his ankle maybe in the first half. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that had something to do with it. He came back, thankfully. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I just, I, I thought even before that, it was interesting. He wasn't pushing the ball the way that we've seen him push it lately, and before the ankle. And I don't know whether that was. It could have been by design. It could have been that um, Izzo said he didn't want to go full tilt because of the bodies that they had available. Uh-huh. But I doubt that because they did run at uh, other times in the game. So I'm not sure what was going on with Tyson. Again, not the end of the world. I don't want to make this game the end of the world by any means, despite the fact that I've had mostly negative things to say about it. Um, it's just Tyson Walker didn't get better today. you know. So there wasn't really a lot of value for him playing this game the way it panned out because he didn't do anything worth talking about. You know, I thought he was defensively. I thought he was terrible. His reaction, there was a play where the ball went into the post and he was guarding his man up at the top of the key and he just kind of spectated and yeah, watched as right his on. man went right down the lane to get a pass for an easy land. That's not Tyson Walker. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I don't think it's any concern beyond, hey, he didn't play well today. But, that was really it was disappointing. Mm. It was disappointing just because I feel like he's had such a good momentum built up coming out of the Bahamas, where he's really been a factor and played well and played better in every game since then. And then today clearly was not that. So he needs to get back on the beam against Northwestern because, you know, here's the deal. AJ Hogard played really well today. I'm taking nothing away from him. It was great and they need him to play well. But Michigan State isn't winning shit if they had a Tyson Walker like they had today. We all know that. Mm-hmm. They, they need the reason that people have gotten more and more optimistic about Michigan State over the last, say, three, four weeks, in my opinion, is it's obviously down to team results, but the biggest thing is Tyson Walker's emergence as a legitimate dynamic player at the point giving Michigan state something it has to have Uh in order for this team to reach its potential. And so that was the biggest negative coming out of this game to me was that 
he just was was so poor in all respects and and i'm just going to chalk it up to one of those days mm-hmm. uh so the first key was health and when walker went down yeah. one knee oh. i th- oh my god my heart just jumped out of my Me chest too. And again, that that's when the why didn't they cancel this <laughs> went flashing through my mind, you know. And and it's it's a tough thing. Look, they to be quite honest, they need games to play. You know, you can't have taken this much time off and go into the Northwestern game as anything close to being optimal. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have a game just to have kind of bloodied the noses again. You know, you need to do that. But, yeah, your, your other concern is, look, just get through this thing with everybody okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and again, we, we should have been talking about it, but at that point we didn't know that um, MSU was going to be down some guys uh, due to COVID and obviously had three guys. that, And that's we should probably talk about that for half a second while we're on the subject because it's something I've spent a lot of time talking about the last few weeks. The biggest disappointment to me was not Bainham and Christie sitting this out because one positive to that is they can't get hurt. Right? <laughs> They're yeah. not playing. Yeah. So that that is helpful just from that perspective. But I really wanted Pierre Brooks to get yeah. a real turn in this game. And the fact that he didn't is – and also from what we can tell, hadn't been practicing for the last three or four days, probably – well, one would assume his last practice was before Christmas. Um, I'm not sure whether they practiced on Christmas Eve, but but um, one would presume whenever that last practice was before Christmas, that was the last one he participated in. So it isn't even just missing this game. It's that he's had to sit out a few days on top of that. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing. Yeah. Um, but again, if you're looking for silver linings, uh, the fact that, now 40% of their starting lineup should not have this problem again the rest of the year. That's positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, second chance points. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't have the, I didn't have the final stats in front of me. I know they had 10 offensive rebounds on 31 misses. So it was an okay offensive rebounding performance. Not great. Mm-hmm. Not having Bainham in there hurts you in that area, so that's that's probably not a big surprise. Um, I didn't feel they were great in that area, though, but they also didn't have to be because they shot the ball very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turnovers. Looked like uh, hey. eight to eight, I think. Yeah, and, and that's uh, – hats off because it wasn't just – the lack of turnovers, but it was a lack of turnovers on a day when you had guys, as I've talked about playing in roles, they're not necessarily accustomed to playing in. That's pretty remarkable. They were able to hold it down um, to a single digit total. Yeah. I mean, there's times where uh, Hall and Hauser were out there at the same time. There was a lot of really funky lineups out there. And, and, And a lot of, again, they started the second half with Hall on the wing. Mm-hmm. You know, so you would haul Hauser and Marble all out there together, along with Brown and and Walker. That is not a lineup you would look at and think, yeah, that that's going to be a, a group that really values the ball well. Mm-hmm. You know, 
but they never had serious problems. They never went through one of those stretches where it was like, you know, three, four possessions in a row, they're coughing it up. So pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then tempo. You know, it's funny. It it didn't feel to me, I mentioned Walker, I didn't think pushed the ball well at all. Hogarth did. Um, but it, it never felt to me like Michigan State really got things going, and yet you look at the point total. What they end up scoring? What was the final? 81. Yeah, you can't, you know, some of that was that they shot really well, but you're. I thought they did okay, and you could maybe make an argument. I, I don't want to take this too far, but you could maybe make an argument that actually the key to the game was MSU maybe making high point play a little faster than they wanted to because Michigan State did finally pull away in the last six, seven minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. which is when you would normally expect that kind of attrition to, to show up. Yeah, and I don't know if it was like a, a, a strategy by high point, but it seemed like there was a lot of um, on-the-ball fouls coming up the court um, that they were getting on Michigan State. I don't know if that was on purpose or what the deal was there, but just kind of took them out of the rhythm a lot. But um what do you what do you mean? I'm not uh, sure I know. Just what you mean. like following the ball, the the uh, the dribbler kind of as they're coming up the court. When Michigan when Michigan State had the ball, yeah, yeah, there were some of those. There were some of those. Yeah, yeah, especially in the in the first half, when Michigan State was in the double bonus. Uh-huh. Um, there were a lot of those. Yeah, that's true. I I, I wondered if if teams some coaches try to get. Michigan State shot totals down if that's like a strategy they would use you know to get them out of their tempo and and get the shot totals down but I to don't know. to to foul yeah I don't know if that's I don't know if I believe that's an intentional thing um I do think that and you're going to see it more coming up starting Sunday I do think you generally see Big 10 teams because they know it so well are better at kind of jumping the outlet, mm-hmm. forcing Michigan State to to have to get try to get into transition in ways other than our ideal, and doing that to slow them down. First of all, to prevent the transition game period, but also slow Michigan State's offense up and force them to use more clock than they want to. Now, not mm-hmm. everybody does that, but a lot of Big Ten teams will. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's an effective, it's an effective way of limiting or forcing, at least forcing Michigan state to approach it differently than would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fifth key rod was paint and I don't know. I mean, marble had 10 hall had 13, maybe four of those were two or three of those were in the paint. Um, well, on on a day where you made 12 threes as a team, so that's what, 36, that's knocking on the door of half your points, let's call it 40-some percent mm-hmm. of their point production was from three. I, I think it's hard to argue that Michigan State was great in the paint, but I do think they were okay. Mm-hmm. I think um, Hogard did a nice job of getting himself to the rim as he sometimes does uh, and creating some offense there. I thought 
There was at times some good interior passing. I thought Joey had a bucket or two inside, which was nice to see. They were okay. Yeah, they were okay down there. I didn't think they were great, but they were all right. Okay, well, um, that does it for High Point. Um, any final thoughts coming into this one, or leading up into the start of the Big well, Ten restart? Again, of the Big Ten? we're we're back. We're back. We're back in the conference play starting Sunday. And you go to Evanston, which was the site of a train wreck last year. <laughs> yeah. And, and really kind of the first indication that the wheels were coming off. Um, so I think much as Michigan State seemed really focused going into Minneapolis after they had the doors blown off last year in that game, um, you know, the way they played at Minnesota earlier this month, I would think that that is going to be a point of emphasis and people are going to be reminded of what happened mm-hmm. in that game heading into Sunday. Uh, the wild card in all of this, as I mentioned earlier, is who's available on both sides. Because right now we know, okay, Michigan State had a problem. Northwestern's going to have a problem coming. It's just a matter of when mm. and who. You just don't know. So, um we don't know yet what, and and I hate to say that. And obviously when we do our previews, um, we're going to assume things based on the knowledge at that time um, with the understanding that things obviously can change pretty quickly yeah. uh, when it, when it comes to the impact of COVID. So I think that is going to be, this is an understatement that is going to be a very important part of at least the first you know, two, three weeks of conference play getting restarted is who do you have available? Who does your opponent have available? And are the games actually being played or are they being rescheduled? So again, I would, I would be very comfortable with some kind of rescheduling if you've got serious issues and then where that line is, I, I'm glad it's not me making the decision, but mm-hmm. you know, to me, like a conference game, Michigan state under the circumstances they were under today, I wouldn't have been happy with that. I mean, I think they probably would have played it by the way, uh-huh. but I wouldn't have been happy with that. Mm-hmm. I would have felt like, Hey, that's, you know, and, and people could say, well, it's how is it any different than any other kind of injury? Okay. I, I get that. But, I think if if we've got if we've got the capability of making some adjustments to try to give everybody involved, all schools, the best chance to have optimal talent on the floor for league games, you should try to do that within reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be the crapshoot here. But putting all that aside, obviously a big game. Um, we have we have talked about it that we're we're starting to come to the end pretty rapidly of this period that we felt like hey Michigan State has an opportunity to roll up a lot of wins build momentum well they've done that mm-hmm. even today they got the win it was by double digits you know you don't do any real harm to yourself so momentum is still intact I feel but we're we're coming up to that and I think that period officially ends with the game at Chrysler on January 8th. Yeah. So we got a couple more. Who's that? Who's after Northwestern? Uh, I believe Minnesota. 
Is it Minnesota uh, at home? It's um oh it's well let me see. Maybe Nebraska. Um Cor- uh Nebraska. It's uh, Nebraska. Versus, versus Nebraska and then at Michigan. Nebraska, Nebraska at Breslin, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you really want to win this Northwestern game. You figure Nebraska at home, come on. Um, you should be, by all rights, you should be 4-0 in the league going into that game in Chrysler, and that's where mm-hmm. Michigan State wants to be. And then at that point, you're saying, okay, you got a 16, you got 16 games left in the league starting in Ann Arbor. Go. Yeah. And that's where the rubber is going to really hit the road. And, and we're going to, so you don't want to blow these opportunities. I'm not saying Northwestern's a gimme. I think they are a better team. I think they've got some players. Um, Nance is having a great year for them inside. I think Bowie has been solid at the point. Audage is back now and gives them a, a, a guy who can score on the wing. Northwestern's got some players, but you know, if and you're it's for real. That's you, a game you win. You look at Northwestern, what they did last year. They beat Michigan State, and then they, they beat Ohio State, I believe. They had three wins, really good wins, before the, the wheels just completely came they had off. A great, they had a great start, and then it all collapsed. Yeah. And that's um, like, you know, it's nice to have this easy schedule uh, at the front end of the Big Ten, but it's like, at the same time, you're getting the Northwestern team who's who at in their gym, first real significant game that they're going to play uh, against. Well, the they, well, that's, that's not true. They, in, they, in, they at went home, in, I mean, yes, at home. Yes, that's true. Because they went in, keep in mind, they've only played one big 10 game thus far. I'm not yeah. sure why that was the case this year, because I, I, I may be misremembering, but I think the standard has been everybody played two league games in early December over the last few years. And this year there were a couple of schools who only played one. Northwestern yeah. was one of them. They went. I'm not sure why that was, but they went into Maryland and handled Maryland pretty easily. Now Maryland is a train wreck. Mm-hmm. That is not the Maryland you're used to seeing. That's a bad team right now. But I don't care. You go on the road and you beat a bad team in the league. That's still a good win. Yeah. So and I watched that game and I thought Northwestern played very well. So they. If I was Northwestern, I would be looking at this as, hey, we got an opportunity. We got a top 10 team coming into our gym. We think we're good enough to handle them mm-hmm. and make a statement and let people know we're for real. And and so it's going to be tough. But again, if you're Michigan State, the way you have to look at this is, hey, this is one we got to get. Yeah. If if we're If we're for real, if we're serious about – being there with the Purdue's and the Ohio States and the Illinois at the top of this thing, that's one you've got to get. Yeah. If you're not, and you want to be in the middle with, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, you know, whatever other directs. Okay. <laughs> but, mm. but I don't think that's what Michigan state aspires to, nor should they. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it's big. It's big. Cause again, if you're four and all going into that game in Ann Arbor, man, you are, you're feeling like you've got something happening. Yeah. So this is a big this is a big one from from that perspective. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that and um, come back with the preview for Northwestern uh, in a couple days or, or so. Until then, the final four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.